Welcome to the panel discussion implementing a hybrid cloud solution in government. Sponsored by VMware, here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion. My guests today are Howard Spira, the Chief Information Officer of the Export and Import Bank of the United States, Ben Bergerson, the CIO of the U.S. Trade and Development Agency, and Bill Rowan, the Vice President of Federal Sales for VMware. Gentlemen, welcome to the discussion. Before we get started, let me set some context for our discussion. There's more than 75 small or micro agencies across government, and like many of the large, well-known agencies, they face similar IT modernization challenges. These agencies range from a few people to a few hundred employees, and they face both advantages and disadvantages of, of being small or micro organizations. On one hand, many small agencies don't necessarily have the money or the people to do full-scale IT modernization, forcing them to deal with legacy technology, which, of course, opens them up to cybersecurity risks. On the other hand, small agencies can move more quickly with less approvals and, let's say, fewer lawyers mucking up the processes. <laughs> and even a little money can go a much longer way as they move to the cloud or upgrade their cyber defenses. One small agency CIO told me last year that his plan was to move to the cloud and stop spending on commodity technology. At the same time, small and micro agencies don't necessarily have the support, or maybe that's a good thing, the oversight from the Office of Management and Budget or Congress because they're not spending tens or hundreds of millions of dollars on IT projects. Again, both a benefit and potentially a hindrance to IT modernization. Another small agency CIO told me recently how surprised he was when he moved to a small agency from a large one about how these agencies, small micro agencies, really fly below the radar when it comes to OMB policies and requirements. So, how can small agencies take advantage of these technologies like cloud, like emerging ones, like machine learning, robotics process automation? Well, again, this is where our panel comes in. They're going to tell us the tricks of their trade, if you will. Howard's, once again, my guests are Howard Spira, the Chief Information Officer at the Export and Import Bank of the U.S., Benjamin Bergerson, the CIO of the U.S. Trade and Development Agency, and Bill Rowan, the Vice President of Federal Sales for VMware. Let me start in the end with Ben. Uh, cloud, moving to the cloud, IT modernization, the strategy of it all. Uh, give me a sense, where are you guys today with that move to the cloud with your IT modernization efforts? Yes, thank you. We are moving in phases along with following the IT modernization cloud smart and president's management agenda, or the PMA items. So we're taking bite-sized chunks and moving components of our agency piece by piece to the cloud. We got a great head start last year when we moved our entire federal agency from one location to another, and it was a perfect opportunity to say, should we move this to another building or should we move this to the cloud? And what is the strategy to make sure that the internal infrastructure is synced with our cloud services? And we did it with three different pieces. One is our core mission is to increase U.S. exports and jobs into developing agencies and uh, developing countries. So we have a very mobile workforce that goes around the world looking for opportunities to sell U.S. goods and bring U.S. companies and partner with them. That means that everything has to be possible and available wherever you are. The second piece is following all of the cloud smart initiatives of, is this piece something that you can move in six months? Can you move it in three months? What are the incremental smart ideas to do? And then lastly, taking care of the shop to make sure that everything runs. Those are the three strategies that we used and it worked out very well. It's a rarity that an agency has that opportunity to pick up and move to a new building. Usually you talk about picking up and moving to the cloud or picking up and moving, but that probably helped you step back and say, do we really need that server? Do we really need that application? Was, is that, was that part of that discussion? Yes, we did a lot of contingency planning as well. So what are all the things that could go awry in a move? The power doesn't work, the electricity doesn't work, the phones don't work, and we built for resilience and the cloud was able to do that. We cached all of our data and synchronized it along our mobile devices as well as in the cloud. So we planned on walking into the new building on day one and not having a network or a phone system. And it brought a culture change around, especially when we got in there and for a little bit of time, Nothing did work because it was. <laughs> wait, 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 wait! You had a move and things didn't work. I have no idea what that's like. It was March of 2018. It was a big windstorm. The government had closed except for emergency um, employees, and our entire team was designated as mission essential because we were moving that weekend. 
it was also 40 to 50 mile per hour winds and not everything was there when we got there. But by the time the weekend was over, because we moved on a weekend, everything worked. People walked in and sat down at their offices. They could get to their email, they could print, they could get to their data analytics and the mission continued. But yes, we were there in the middle of the night making a lot of things work that didn't work when we walked into the room. Congratulations on that. It's a tough move. We all know that firsthand sometimes. Uh, let me turn to Bill from VMware. One of the things when you talk about where agencies are today, give me a sense of what you're seeing from your customers. There's this big push to the cloud, but then every time I talk to a CIO, I feel like, well, we're just, and then you fill in the blank, moving, starting, application rationalization. Well, I think that, that it, uh, based upon what Ben said, you're seeing a, a very similar action. There's a series of steps they're going through. Probably the most common thing we see today is agencies that have moved their uh, core services, email, print, and file to the cloud using an Office 365 application for an example. They get lessons learned from that and then start to look at the next set of applications that they think make the most sense for them to move. I don't think, I think we moved away from the one size fits all. There's obviously a, a lot more uh, services that are out there available today that are FedRAMP authorized. Agencies are now more comfortable with doing their own provisional authorities to operate uh, for various applications that are now becoming available. And so I think that the combination of having had the experience, whether it's through a move, a physical move, or moving a series of applications, as they take tackle the next set of applications, building in those lessons learned to ensure that there's not a bump in the road to services. Now, moving to the cloud is not going to eliminate any and all problems. Uh, but I do think agencies are getting much better at it. Um, I think the other thing too that has happened is as agencies have, have gone through the process, they're, they're doing a better job of analyzing what applications really make sense to use in the cloud. Am I going to save money? Am I going to gain greater agility? Am I going to give myself a lot of flexibility in the future? If they can't answer all those questions yes, then maybe that's not exactly the right application to move at this point in time. I'm going to be impressed here for a second. You didn't mention the word hybrid cloud. Well, give me a chance. All right, give me a chance. <laughs> All right, uh, Howard, let's talk about XMI, uh, XMIM Import Bank. Um, you guys have an IT modernization strategy. You were a guest on my Ask the CIO show in 2018, so catch me up of where we're at. Sure. Well, we continue to make progress on that uh, modernization, and I want to pick up on some of the points that Bill and Ben uh, mentioned. For us, uh, first of all, as a small agency, when we talk strategy, we got to keep that simple because we don't have a policy shop that's going to write a white paper that's going to articulate a strategy. So our strategy basically has, you know, I'll call it really three components, right? Uh, don't uh, build or write software that you can buy. Don't no new iron uh, in the shop. And, uh, and every tactical uh, decision that we make that's coming up, we look back at the first two points and say, is there a way to fit, uh, uh, fit into that? And uh, similar to what Bill uh, mentioned, um, that's taken us through a, a series of steps that leads us to having, I think, about 60% of our infrastructure in the cloud, and now we're actively working on the remaining 40. So the first piece in the cloud was when we moved all of our email services to Office uh, 365. The second major piece was when we moved our financial processing system uh, to a, uh, uh, I'll call it a SaaS offering uh, as well, so that uh, uh, that was a large uh, piece of, I'll call it sort of IT mass that now sits over at, uh, in our case, Oracle Managed Cloud Services. And then we have, you know, between 30 and 40%, I call it the retained infrastructure. And we're actively working on that because these are the, I'll call it the remaining sort of bespoke or custom applications that there really isn't a market for, so we're running it on our iron. And now uh, our real focus is what I call our infrastructure as a service play, mm -hmm. and how are we going to do that? And then we're going to, we've already broken that into two steps, because you mentioned the word hybrid cloud, we actually run in a hybrid environment. So basically, 80% of, of the servers that we have on-prem are already virtualized. And the remaining 20, uh, there is, I'll call it, either a licensing issue that would cost the agency dearly if we put it on, a, uh, 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 on our internal cloud, uh, or there is a, uh, I'll call it, a technical issue about how old the application is, that there's something that we can't move. But uh, so from that perspective, like I said, 
60 to 70 percent of the 60 percent of the mass is already there in a classic uh, commercial cloud. Uh, what's remained, 80 percent is already virtualized, which then makes the step of when we come up to our next hardware refresh of it's not going to be uh, on our I'll call it our internal cloud. We're going to move it to a commercial cloud. Bill, jump in. I think that the other thing too that gets lost and that uh, Howard's example is a good one is that that. Agencies that have moved a series of applications or are using software as a service from different providers, the lessons learned that they incorporate into their own private environments and how they make those environments even more efficient and more agile yeah. than they were before, taking some of those lessons learned. And I think that gets lost sometimes in the discussion of cloud, but agencies across the board, small, big, no different than uh, enterprise clients, have gained additional efficiencies in their internal operations or those internal clouds they've built that are continuing to show savings so that if something does need to be refreshed, they've figured out how to do it in such a manner that it's costing them less than it would have, say, three to five years ago. And those cost savings will continue to help drive down the, the overall cost of infrastructure and the services that are provided, whether it's to the citizens or to the employees within an organization. Interesting, kind of with through Howard and Ben's experiences with with the with the modernization efforts. Let, let me switch instead of kind of going down the path of let's talk more about cloud. But let's talk about either Ben or, or or Howard. Did you guys feel like you had an advantage of being a smaller agency to do this IT modernization? Obviously, from Ben, you had to move, but but that's going to happen whether you're a big agency or a small agency. But as you kind of go down that path and say to your your bosses and the people who run your, your the executives, other executives, hey, we're going to move this to the cloud. Is there, a, is there an easier path to that? Maybe Ben start? It is much easier as a small agency to move to the cloud. First point is the agency head, general counsel, and the deputy are right down the hallway and you can just go walk and talk to them and say, here's your vision of us being a, noble, a mobile, nimble agency, here's how we could do it. And you can sit down and talk to them and there aren't years of work to get that message to the head of the agency and get a decision. The next piece is you can very quickly leverage large agencies who have already paved the way. So you can go to GSA and get cloud contracts that have already got schedules assigned to them and you can talk to other agency heads and CIOs and say, okay, you move to the cloud for your email. What worked and what didn't? So it's the best of both worlds. You get the nimbleness of being a small agency. You also get the background knowledge of working with cabinet agencies because, well, we all talk to each other. At least we hope so, right? <laughs> Howard, what's your experience been like as a small agency? Sure. I think um, uh, I echo everything that uh, Ben said about the uh, advantages. Uh, there just aren't, there isn't a lot of bureaucracy. There isn't a lot of hierarchy that you have to uh, um, uh, work through. A small agency, uh, even though we believe in our own complexity is simply less complex than a large, uh, uh, than a large uh, uh, agency. I think um, uh, also uh, in a lot of cases, the small agencies can do very well by being, I'll call it fast followers or state of the market, so they don't necessarily have to be pushing the bleeding uh, edge so we can take advantage of work that's been done. Uh, to the extent that I uh, think that there's any uh, disadvantage, and, and to be perfectly candid, I haven't spent a lot of time at large uh, uh, agencies, is I think there are certain, I'm going to call it administrative expertises <laughs> that are really uh, important to me to make sure that, that uh, in addition to the technology side from sort of the contracting and the finance side that we really are uh, managing the risks that are attendant in, in, in I'll call it contracting out services, and sometimes I feel, uh, you, you know, we have great counsel, but we don't have an IT-centric administrative uh, counsel. We've got um, a strong finance team, but I do not have a, a finance analysis who works specifically with us. So one of the areas that I find a little bit challenging is making sure that I've all lined up the money appropriately and understand sort of the consequences when we have something like a shutdown of, well, am I going to lose my cloud services if I can't pay a, a vendor? Where's that in the contract? Is it in the contract? It, you know, uh, usually uh, when I was in the private sector and, and worked for larger private sector companies, I had uh, administrative support in both legal and contracting and budget and finance that worked specifically with the IT team to make us really comfortable that we had those bases covered as well. 
Uh, Bill, jump in, because what's your experience when you see, uh, when, you, when you have different clients and customers from between large and small, and even medium-sized agencies, whether we're talking about a labor department or an interior department or, or maybe even um, a big bureau within you know, census department, the Census Bureau, for example, do you see a difference in, in, in that move to the cloud? I, I, I do. I think that in kind of echoing both, uh, both Ben and Howard's comments, certainly the lessons learned from another organization. What did they experience? What, what were the challenges? What were the problems? Certainly the contract issues. You know, GSA may have a plethora of contracts available. That doesn't mean XYZ agency is not going to say, well, we can do it better. We think we can be more efficient and then we'll spend nine to 10 months trying to execute a contract versus doing some task order off of those pieces. The other aspect of it is, is, is really just simple physics. It is going to be easier to move a thousand or 3000 mailboxes mm -hmm. to, uh, to a cloud environment, if you will, than trying to move 150,000 boxes. The chances are that if you, you can have, you can take what you've learned, improve on the process, maybe you take a small organization. And the same thing comes with, there's a lot of resistance inside of bigger agencies, irrespective of where the data center might be of, well, this is the way we've always done it. And there's so many layers of folks that are resistant to change, irrespective of whether it will change anything about the way they do their job, there's still a sense of, of I don't want to lose control. And I think organizations of a smaller or medium size can say, listen, this is going to give us an opportunity to leapfrog where we would otherwise be and use it as an actually a, a financial and competitive advantage in terms of accomplishing our mission. And I think that's the part that's harder to share upon a larger organization, but can be much easier, much easier consumed by a smaller or medium sized agency. And the last component to it is, our experience has been both with enterprise clients, state and local agencies, which this really applies to smaller municipal organizations are, there is not as much uh, or not as many hundreds of pages of process and procedures <laughs> that have lived in lore for years. And therefore, they're not going back and forth with legal organizations or various communities of interest to say, well, we want to change things. As Ben alluded, you can walk down the hall, get the various people that are going to have to be involved in the decision, make the decision and move out. And that saves a countless amount of money that would otherwise just be involved in the churn for months and months and months. I know why you all laughed when I made the lawyer joke earlier. We're talking a little bit about maybe why it's maybe a little easier to, to do move to the cloud to do IT modernization. And, and Howard brought up an interesting point about some of the other challenges, like when you go find a lawyer, the lawyer may not have an IT background, or he may, or a financial analyst that may not necessarily understand IT. I want to bring Ben into the conversation. What challenges do you face, or, or have you faced in the past, because being a small agency and then wanting to kind of either be agile and move quickly to toward the modernized IT environment? There's a couple challenges that we find in the U.S. Trade Development Agency that have been encountered in many other agencies. One is the skill set, you're transforming the workforce from doing infrastructure to then virtualization and clustering and containers to you're now a cloud service engineer. You need to understand everything, but you're not actually doing it. You have to talk to someone else and convince them that their services need to be tweaked in a certain manner. That's a very different skill set, and we end up doing workforce training to give those new skills to our existing staff, our federal personnel, as well as our contractors. The next issue that we have with a challenge is the culture. Everyone wants to have a more nimble agency and be more mission focused and spend less money on IT but they're comfortable with their printer down the hall <laughs> or their network share and they know the servers down the hall. And it isn't until while we were moving and our old equipment in the old building was dying and an air conditioner would go out, it was 12 years old, and do we buy a new air conditioner when we're just gonna move in a month or two and say, it's okay. It's cached on your tablet and on your laptop and on your PC. So even if the data center has got heating problems, your data isn't just there. And then people start to realize, oh wow, it's on my smartphone, it's on my laptop, and I don't have to have the server down the hall. 
That executive then talks to their friend who talks to their friend. And the biggest thing that we got was executives teaching each other how to use the cloud services because IT isn't going to push a new service. It's got to grow from the customer base and from the, the leadership. And that's how we, we got success. One thing when we talk about training the workforce is, and I think this gets a mixed review, is a lot of agencies don't have training budgets or they cut their training budgets. Or well, when it comes to when you budget, when the CIO you put your budget together, somebody comes in and goes, well, can you reduce that line? D did you have that problem in terms of the training budget or were you able to kind of explain to your bosses, hey, this is a must. If we're going to do this to get us more nimble and agile and, and save money, we still need to do this. We have a training budget for our full-time staff and there's also training built into all our contracts. And you're right, it's constantly defending those two points and making sure that no one poaches those and reuses it for other things. So we have the money there and it's just showing, here's the impact of this group not having the skills and now they need to have these skills and here's the impact. If you can make it a concrete example, then you can successfully even grow your training budget, but you need examples. Uh, Howard, did you also have a similar challenge with the workforce with the skill set retraining or were you more heavily contractor and you just brought in more contractors? Sure, well, um, I think a lot of small agencies are pretty heavy uh, contractors, so our ratio is actually probably considered low, but it's still two contract, uh, I'll call it between two and three contract staff for every uh, Fed. But uh, again, uh, small agencies, you know, our, our total Fed headcount is 30 and we've got about 60 contractors. So in terms of trying to move the needle, these are still relatively small numbers. Um, but I, I think it's interesting that you mentioned training. Uh, our experience is we didn't have much of a problem with respect to our IT staff. Many of them are running cloud stuff at home on their own, <laughs> right? Um, so, uh, so getting the agency to kind of move in that direction was, was pretty straightforward. Uh, what I would say is, uh, and uh, I, I thought it was great that, that Ben uh, picked this up, is the, uh, I'll call it the end user community, sort of the non-IT community. The, the key thing when you look at our, our mission uh, is, you know, we have commercial bankers, right, and deal professionals. And those are typically, you know, that's why they get paid. Uh, and that's very focused, I'll call it, on, on, on writing and executing in Word and, and interacting with other bankers and other uh, lawyers. So um, from a certain perspective, uh, being on a, uh, a desktop with a, a locally loaded uh, version of uh, Office uh, 365 is very comfortable and they can perform very effectively. And so when we want to change that environment, when we want to change that, that ecosystem, uh, uh, that's where we have to be really careful because the key productivity is, is in that staff. And so one of the things we're really focusing on in our sort of next round of modernization, which is sort of the push uh, to uh, uh, this year, we're on schedule to complete uh, uh, Office 2016 and Windows 10. And this is the part that, uh, that we're working very hard on ensuring that we have uh, a training and sort of adoption program so that we don't uh, degrade the agency's core competency that, that, uh, that we're you know, paid to perform on behalf of the taxpayers. Bill, jump in. Yeah, I, I think that, that both of them bring up strong points and from a, the vendor community, one of the, the big pushes we've seen for small, medium, and large agencies is ensuring when they are doing agreements that, that there's been a built-in schedule for training. Uh, we were interestingly enough uh, before we were uh, taping today, Howard and I were talking out in the hallway about, you know, how do you align your period of performance on some of your support contracts at different points of the year so you, you know, spread things out a little bit, make them a little more simplistic. Training is the exact same way. As new advents of new services become available, especially for those clients of ours that are operating in some sort of hybrid environment, it's great to train everybody today, but what does that workforce look like in two years? Have there been new people that may not be as familiar? And as long as there's a, a continual process of being able to bring training in, being able to take advantage of new services that might be offered, and how is that incorporated then into the curriculum, I think becomes the key. And, and it's through that process 
that when we start to look at the functional organizations, those, those bankers in Howard's example, or in, in, in Ben's organization, those functional folks can then give feedback back to the IT organization about things they would like to see, changes that could make them even more efficient, more agile, more productive, whatever the, the definitions that you want to use. But it's it's a constant piece of continuing to learn. I, I've myself, I've never taken a class on Office 365. But when you work with it enough, you start to go, hey, you know, it'd be really interesting if I could do this, this, and this, and and, and you get to build those processes back in. How often are you seeing that training piece in contracts? I mean, is it being specifically called out, or is it more of the training as necessary as as is required? Well, interestingly, if if we are asked by a client to kind of scope out what is it going to take to be able to to make this move into whether it's one of the hybrid environments, whether they're using Amazon or Microsoft, IBM, Google, Oracle, whoever the player is, if they're coming and asking us, it'll be a part of what we tell them should be a part of the plan. Now, sometimes, respectfully, a contract will come out that after the users have decided what they think would be best, contracts may let an RFP or an RFQ out that may drop some of those pieces because they don't necessarily see them as being relevant to the service being performed or being requested. Um, we'll answer the mail as they've asked us to answer, but also always throw back some options of here's some things that you might want to consider and or if they don't assume them at that point in time, go back to them at a later date and say, listen, I know you're in the middle of the process, but you need to think about what this looks like in a year or two years and how do those services become just as valuable to you then, actually maybe more valuable to you then, than they actually are today. I want to shift over to cybersecurity. I think, uh, Bill, you brought up an interesting point uh, when it comes to the cloud services or the IT modernization services, is that things change, it's different people that come in, and, and we know that through uh, just our natural experience, cybersecurity is continually evolving, the threat is always increasing. So, so maybe, let me start with Ben on the end there. When you talk about a small agency and you talk about cybersecurity moving to the cloud, how do you see, is it, does it less complex, more complex? Where does cybersecurity fit into this discussion? Cloud cybersecurity over the past several years has matured. So it has actually helped us with our internal infrastructure. Bill talked about taking some ideas from cloud services and bringing them into your internal IT services. We've taken the GSA FedRAMP cybersecurity program and all the requirements and the templates and adopted them for in-house use. There's no need to reinvent the wheel on how you should do things. Even down to the notes on the sidebar saying, hint, here's a document that you need to write, here's a document that you need your service provider to do, and here's how you audit it. You go, this is a guidebook on how to do it for people who have been living through it for the past 10 years. So cybersecurity is integrated into every cloud service that we buy or that we compete out on contract, just as training our workforce is, and we've got highlighted requirements, and that's basically what GSA and NIST are saying is, you've got 384 requirements. Pick five or 10 that you really care about and say, you must be FedRAMP authorized and meet these things. That way you can get the things that are very important to you and you can map them to your high value assets. So cybersecurity is integrated and it's a lot more mature. Do you get a sense because through cloud though, you're, you're better at cybersecurity because you're moving to either a virtualized environment or to a full on cloud environment that what you had in your data center now is, is not, it was never as good as you have in the cloud or is it equal, I mean, do you, or is it too early? We have a robust baseline that we get reassurance from in the cloud. We know what we're getting. If you get the low, the moderate, or the high. Um, for our environment, we exceed some of the requirements of that baseline because we decide we want higher availability because we're a more mobile workforce. So in some areas, we are higher than the cloud environment but we pay more for that, we invest in that. And the other areas were the same. Um, but we've also done a large transformation in the last three years at the agency, and that has a big effect on it as well. So time has made us better, 
and the cloud has made us better. Howard, talk a little bit as well about cybersecurity as, as you see it, is the um, Export Import Bank getting better cybersecurity because of the cloud? Is it about the same? And, and is there a different set of complexities because as a small agency you're moving to the cloud or does it make just life easy? Yeah, um, well I look at it uh, at a couple of different ways. So I don't know if it's making it uh, um, uh, easier. I think it, uh, uh, um, Maybe easier is not the best <laughs> word, right? Yeah. This is cyber um, or easy. <laughs> what I would say is this, you know, my, my initial impression is, is, is simply, um, if you will, my attack surface or, or the different parties that are now potentially involved in my cybersecurity from a supply chain perspective is, has exploded. Uh, and that's probably no different than, you know, any individual in their private capacity on a routine basis getting a note saying, hi, uh, you know, we'd like to get you another uh, one year of identity um, <laughs> <laughs> protection. So, um, so you know, that's kind of one piece. At, at, at the other time, there's a realistic understanding of, uh, notwithstanding that I've expanded the uh, attack surface, that um, if I'm working with reputable vendors with great reputations, there are certain things that they probably can do much better than I can uh, ever do. Um, the other angle is a little bit of threat intelligence. Uh, we, when we look at threat intelligence, aren't a particularly interesting agency. So uh, we were probably never a particularly interesting target uh, from a, you know, I'll call it a hostile uh, actor. But I certainly know uh, Amazon is a, an important target. Uh, Microsoft is an important uh, target. So I don't know, you know how, how you balance those things out at, at the end. I would say as a practical matter though, we could not run the services that we need to uh, provide in-house. It's just not possible these days when you think about the talent that you would have to retain, the infrastructure that you have to build, and the budget uh, that you have. Um, and so you know, history will tell us, I guess, how, that, uh, uh, how that's all going to uh, work out. I think, though, uh, more pragmatically and more sort of, I'll call it, you know, in my face today is the uh, is sort of understanding the seams between all the different providers is something that we focus on and making sure that just because we put it out in the cloud that we don't have a robust uh, internal discussion and a, an understanding of, you know, even though it's in the cloud, there's still a data somewhere and there's still pipe somewhere. And, uh, and, and making sure that we understand that and sort of how we handle our ATO and IVNV uh, process. And we found that the, the skills in that area have really had to shift because more and more the workload in security is actually review of third party uh, type of uh, uh, activity. And then the last piece uh, that I would say that we're still working through is sort of the, uh, the SIM uh, piece of this is then how do you get situational awareness around all of these platforms and some of these platforms uh, fortunately uh, the bigger parts of our portfolio are uh, readily able to integrate into some kind of a sim capability so at least uh, but we've got little pieces that that uh, uh, our ability to kind of get a total picture of the the enterprise are a little bit more challenging. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. I know, Bill, you want to jump in, so when we come back, that's how we'll start us off. You're listening to the panel discussion, Implementing a Hybrid Cloud Solution in Government, sponsored by VMware on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Today's Digital Transformation Report. Realize what's possible. Provided by VMware. Here's Bill Rowan, Vice President at VMware for Government. The recent White House Modernization Report and Cloud Smart Policy encourages agencies to maximize and streamline secure use of cloud computing. VMware can help. Our expertise includes deploying cloud-native applications, updating IT infrastructure, and automating government IT for government employees and the public. At VMware, we help agencies embrace both public and private clouds to create an agile, hybrid environment from the data center to the cloud to the tactical edge. VMware's cross-cloud architecture integrates with cloud providers like Amazon Web Services, IBM, and Microsoft's Azure. Let us help you embrace hybrid cloud, take advantage of cloud economics, and speed securely in the future. Let's talk. VMware Solutions, modernizing government IT and streamlining operations while reducing costs and strengthening security. Realize what's possible. Visit vmware.com go federal. 
Welcome back. You're listening to the panel discussion, implementing a hybrid cloud solution in government, sponsored by VMware on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today, Howard Spira, the Chief Information Officer at the Export and Import Bank of the United States, Ben Bergerson, the CIO of the U.S. Trade and Development Agency, and Bill Rowan, the Vice President of Federal Sales for VMware. Toward the end of the last segment, we got into a deeper conversation about cybersecurity. And Bill, I know you wanted to jump in before we ran out of time, so let me kick it back to you. Based on what you heard from Howard, based on what you heard from Ben, cybersecurity cloud, give me a sense of what you're seeing, what you're hearing. Well, I, I think it's, so if we can work under the assumption that cybersecurity is now the most overused word, <laughs> it's overtaking cloud significantly. Not AI? Not AI Not yet. It's still, it's, it's still okay. in the waiting number two position. But um, I, I do think though, it's giving us an interesting opportunity to look at organizations and look at how we're actually doing security. So if, we go, if we've moved from this predominant client server type environment to where I'm getting many more of my applications as a service, it's giving me an opportunity to relook at my infrastructure and say, is there a different way of doing things, especially at the endpoint. So you see clients starting to talk about, well, I'm going to move more towards a virtual desktop environment because the vast majority of the applications I'm getting are coming over the network. I don't need a big honking uh, desktop to be able to support those applications the way I may have needed to for, uh, say, an older version of Exchange than, than it is today. So that's one dynamic. The second dynamic is that it's giving me an opportunity to look at different uh, implementation strategies around segmenting my applications. And, and at VMware, we talk about micro-segmentation, but specifically, I can look at my traffic now and say, well, everything's coming in via the network for those uh, SaaS-based applications, but if a lot of my traffic is east-west now internally, I can now, in a very agile manner, create a software-defined network across the both my layer two and layer three, but I can also extend that across the wide area network. As these moves towards a uh, towards the cloud are freeing up some of that that expertise inside of an organization to say, I can now create incremental defenses against cybersecurity with the resources I have that'll even better protect me as I'm using these services from the cloud. And I think that's one of those advantages that we are starting to see come more and more to the marketplace that may be very, will be cost, more cost efficient than saying going out and investing in an MPLS backbone or whatever I might have done in the past. Bill, I wanted to follow up with you on one thing because as you were kind of going through the, the changes that are happening across the government and, and the apps as a service, and, and I'll bring it up. I mean, we know that agencies, agencies are going to be in a hybrid cloud environment for quite a while. I mean, whether as Howard was saying, you know, 60% of your stuff's in the cloud, 40% is not yet. Uh, but that 40% will never be zero. It may be 20, maybe 10, maybe five, but you always have something in-house. Does that change the security look too? Because maybe that stuff that's in-house needs even more security, and then that we can add identity management to that in a different way than we maybe something that you put in the cloud, like a website that anyone can access. I mean, what's that thought process that you're I seeing? I think Ben brought the point up earlier. We're getting a chance to learn from organizations that in most part can invest X numbers of factors of more money into cybersecurity than maybe an agency or a big or small can. It's just the economics of the overall. So we're learning from those processes. We do get a chance to continue to look at new ways of doing things. It's a smaller piece of a infrastructure I'm having to rely on manage. So therefore operationally, I can keep better set of eyes on it. And, and I also think that as we see more and more information being shared about the risk, whether it, they are state actors, whether these are you know some, some kid in a coffee shop someplace who is just trying to be cool and thinks he can hack an agency or an organization, we're getting much better at the, the defense. But keep no, uh, make no mistake about it, the, the stuff that we are really worried about will be a threat there for quite some time in the future, long after those of us on this panel are probably out of this business, but it's going to continue to be an issue. And if we don't continue to apply rigor and technology to the extent we can, we're going to just be giving up the keys to the kingdom. I'm going to throw a little, little bit of a curveball to both Howard and Ben here. So here we go, pay attention, Bryce Harper. Uh, SDN, thin clients, two things that uh, Bill mentioned that are big in the, in the larger agencies. Has that kind of come down to the smaller agencies? Are either of you looking at SDN or Thin Clients separately or together? 
One very good surprise that we had when we migrated to a new cloud provider, they had that implemented in their network. I'm sorry, which one, Thin or, or SDN? SDN, Okay. yeah, not Thin. And so we moved one of our applications into the cloud and we did it so smoothly that nobody noticed. <laughs> and I had to go back and tell people, by the way, we moved over the weekend, did you notice anything? They said, oh, you did? Yeah, it's faster. <laughs> so that's a nice side benefit. So the fact that there are large cloud providers and they have things moved, as Bill said, to the edge of the network and on the east and west, and they've worked out load balancing so that it is faster. So that's kind of cool. All right, Howard? Um, I was going to say on the, uh, on, on the desktop, we're looking very seriously uh, um, uh, at that. Uh, we think uh, we're probably going to start with, uh, to the extent that we have any development left in-house, we do have a bit of that, but we think those are a prime uh, uh, candidates uh, uh, for it. It wouldn't surprise me, actually, if we analyzed our, our desktops to a large extent. They're being used in a thin client, <laughs> in a thin <laughs> client mode. Anyways. Anyways. Yeah, yeah. And at least that's what our, our, our monitoring is, is uh, showing us more and, and, and more. So I think... Uh, uh, we see a lot of uh, uh, advantages uh, of that, but I also think it's a process that for us, uh, uh, where I think looking at is is sort of a state of the market evolution. We don't need to be the, uh, uh, th there's nothing so pressing with respect to our economics and the challenges a, a small agency has, which actually tends to be uh, less of a challenge uh, because we're not managing that many uh, uh, endpoints. So these are problems that when they scale, they tend to, have complexity that 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 squares, uh, so we're operating in, in I'll call it a simpler part of the curve. But uh, I'd certainly like to get there. It's just a heck of a lot easier to uh, uh, to manage. And Bill, from your perspective, when you work with large agencies, when I speak with CIOs, I find that there's a lot of talk about SDN, a lot of interest in it, and a lot of interest in, in moving to a thinner zero client because of what they can do in the cloud. Are you finding that 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 conversation is coming up as well? Absolutely. I I don't think you know today. If a customer is discussing what, how they're going to take advantage as they've moved more and more of these applications to the cloud, how does that impact their workforce at the desktop layer? And I would say that for the most part, it becomes a two-part conversation. Is this going to be a cheaper, easier to manage type environment for me? And then secondly, how does this fit into my mobility strategy for my agency? Those pieces tend to go hand in hand. As it comes to the network, you know, as it's interesting as more and more of these applications have moved to the cloud, the network infrastructure that an agency put in place and the way that was architected, there's a lot of it uh, freed up resource within that network. Now, I may have put more of a load on my main switch, but, you know, the, the rest of my, uh, the organization and the hierarchy may not be uh, being used as, as, uh, as heavily as it was before. That's giving me a chance to repurpose those assets to support different types of applications. So it's just creating a, a discussion of is, is there as we look to repurpose these assets or potentially excess those assets that is going to save me on my O&M tail, is there a different way to approach it? And that's really where this conversation is coming up for the most part. Howard. Um, so I, I think this is one area that, that uh, small agencies uh, are actually like pretty different from big agencies, which is the the ratio of sort of the actual quote, hardware cost to the thinking cost or the engineering cost. And in big agencies, you've typically got uh, large, uh, I'll call it uh, hardware or, or you know uh, endpoint deployed software cost relative to the amount of engineering uh, uh, time. So in a small agency, because we've got that really small footprint, the thing that, that I tend to really focus on is my scarce resource uh, is not the budget for uh, endpoints, right? right. It's, it's my uh, network engineer, it's my senior network engineers and how much time I can get um, uh, from, from them. So I think it's, it's just kind of interesting to, uh, to see the difference between uh, big agency perspective and small agency perspective and, and sort of uh, the different kinds of costs and where, they, where they've got scale and where they uh, where they don't. The, the cost issues is, is fascinating because I think this leads us down the path of, of as you guys are looking at moving to the cloud and doing IT modernization, whether it's SDN or ThinkLine or whatever virtualization you're going to go down the path, 
you're, you're going to use contractor. And I think, Howard, you brought up the fact that uh, your ratio is probably two and a half, maybe three to one contractor to Fed. I imagine, Ben, your ratio of contractors to Fed is probably similar. More contractors. Um, yeah. We're a very small agency. Right. So, so talk maybe a little about the, that engagement. As we move to the cloud, as you, as you modernize your IT, does that engagement with those contractors change? Does the relationship change much? And ben, start us off. We do things differently when we're buying cloud services and we have to think about them differently. Since we had our financial systems in the cloud five, six, seven years ago, and then we're adding more and more and finding that we're moving from one cloud provider to another or we're expanding one areas of service. So we need to create flexible contracts. And the Department of Defense and DISA created clauses that go into all cloud contracts for entrance, migration, and exit, saying that you're going to get full cooperation and assistance to move from this provider to that provider as your agency needs change, and you might move back again, and you might move a piece back in-house or move it back. So we're actually experiencing the flexibility, and you want to think through that ahead of time when you write your contract. So that that is new. Um, how we're talking to contractors, as well as something that Howard mentioned of if you are working with large shared service and cloud providers, they have hundreds of staff and engineers and they can leapfrog your ability when you have a smaller staff. So we want to take advantage of the different companies and they might have a hundred security engineers and they have the newest threat intelligence and they are stopping the latest virus that came out today where we don't have that hundreds of staff to do that. Uh, Bill, jump in a little bit and talk about the engagements. Do you, do you present differently to Ben and Howard than you would to a CIO at, at VA or HHS? Well, I. I, I think the engagement is very, very similar. It, it has to be because it, it's, we're talking about a scale issue and not a different set of problems in many respects. What is interesting has probably been that when we do executive briefings for our clients, one of the most requested things we have come up is, is talking to, asking to speak to our CIO at a corporate level and say, how has your business changed? Today inside of VMware, if I look at a, a field organization, 80-some applications we use are all as a service. They're not, we're not hosting them. They're being hosted someplace else and being presented to us. And so the question then goes to the C our CIO, how have you changed your organization? What do you see those changes in the next three to five years if that continues? And, and I think that has become the most interesting dialogue. I think customers are so much more uh, clear and have a good vision of the ones and zeros part of the equation, they're looking for the discussion of talking to me about the re-engineering of resources over a period of time and what the type of contractor I should be writing an RFP for today for a service or, or that I will use 12 to 24 months from now, as opposed to having a contract that it was meant to help keep the lights on, support the application, that's being that's a shift, and as Howard uh, rightly talked about, you know, I've moved 60% in his situation, moved about 60% to the cloud. My footprint of 40% is going to continue to shrink. How does that impact the types of workers and uh, that I'm going to contract for? And what does that skill need to look like in a couple years so I can be ensuring I'm getting the best return on the investment? Howard, jump into as, as you guys are as you're working with contractors and you're moving it forward. Uh, what's that engagement like? What, what has to change on your end or what has to change on their end? Sure. Well, I, I think some of the ideas were, um, were mentioned, but I want to come back to scale a little bit because sure. I, I think this is another sort of interesting cleavage point between uh, uh, big agencies and, and, uh, and little. So, um, uh, for example, we have Office 365 uh, in, in, in the cloud, uh, but um, as you know, to provide Office 365, there's actually a tapestry of services. So the, the Office 365 piece is actually just one piece of the equation, and you still have to manage your accounts and you know setting up people and onboarding, uh, 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 and and uh, you know onboarding, offboarding, etc. So um, the way we handle that in a small agency is we have a general infrastructure management 
contract. And that as part of their contract for managing the general infrastructure, they also manage the interaction with our uh, as a service, you know, our Office 365 provider versus sometimes in a uh, big agency, they will actually have co complete contracts around each as a uh, uh, as a service. Um, so I think uh, one is small agencies may have a different sort of tapestry of, um, of contracts that they're stitching together to provide the end-to-end -end service uh, that's a different tapestry that a big agency will come at it uh, as. And so where I see is trying to understand that tapestry and then saying for the end-to-end -end service, right, what are, what are all the contracts that actually are impacted and then am I uh, ensuring, like I said, in that infrastructure con contract, that general infrastructure contract, it's like, okay, well, you've got to be cloud uh, uh, savvy. You've got to be cloud knowledgeable. And if you're not uh, today uh, 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 in certain areas, you know, we're going to keep moving stuff. So in your out years, you need to be able to bring this skill in. So that's, uh, 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 to me, one of the biggest challenges is we're typically at a scale where we have to uh, we're not going to put a single, uh, I'll call it end-to-end -end contract around a single service, and we're stitching together a service contract typically with a uh, sort of a cloud SaaS or PaaS uh, uh, or even an IAS contract. And how do we marry the service uh, 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 concept with the, uh, I'll call it sort of the iron uh, uh, concept? All right, unfortunately, though, we're out of time. That was a great conversation, and I think we could talk a little bit longer. But uh, we're going to uh, say thank you very much to our guests, Howard Spira, Chief Information Officer at the Export Import Bank of the United States, Ben Bergerson, the CIO of the U.S. Trade and Development Agency, and Bill Rowan, the Vice President for Federal Sales for VMware. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. I'm Jason Miller. I've been your host, and you've been listening to the panel discussion implementing a hybrid cloud solution in government sponsored by VMware on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search VMware. Thank you for listening to the panel discussion implementing a hybrid cloud solution in government, sponsored by VMware on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network.